You're listening to Sharni Vision Podcast, a Punjabi lifestyle podcast where I spotlight a Punjabi living their aligned life. Sashri and welcome. I'm your host, Supreet Sohi, skin therapist and life coach. On Sharni Vision, I bring you a new guest each week to share their courageously aligned journey. My goal is to share their journeys and stories to awaken your inner lioness or lion to follow its soul's purpose. Let's join the conversation. Super excited to do this with you. Me too. You know, when I watched the movie, I watched it with my little brother. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And it was something I don't think he was expecting to watch with me. Okay, yeah. Um, but I, I he definitely needed to see this. Um, because <laughs> we personally went through this too. Um, but yeah, I want to hear your journey in creating this. Yeah. Um well, you know, it's 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 been a long one and I um I started writing it a, a while back, sort of off and on. And then um and then, yeah, once it, it, it felt like it was it was ready, I pitched it to a screenwriter's lab and I got in. And then that's really kind of what evolved the script and made it a lot deeper. And then after that, I just had the confidence to be able to put it out and find the right producers and the right team. So it's been a long process, but it's um, we just shot it last year. So in some ways, it's also been very quick. Wow. So you shot this during the pandemic? We did. Yeah. Um, that was probably the hardest part. That and the fact the weather, the weather in Regina was like minus, I kid you not, it was like minus 40 on some days. And so just trying to like navigate that and um, it was hard. <laughs> but uh, yeah, nobody got sick on the set. We, we kept everybody safe. And um, yeah, now we're able to watch the film. That's amazing. And with this writing process, so I'm going to go ahead and go deep. Like, what was your childhood like growing up? <laughs> and like, how this all came to be? How did Agam come to be, you know? <laughs> um, so, well, I don't know. I, I mean, I've always been a really creative child. Um, my mom would always say, that the only way she could get me to sit down in one place long enough was when she gave me some like crayons and paper. That was like the one thing. Otherwise I was pretty rambunctious. And so for me, like creativity and making art was always just like a really safe place, a really natural place for me. Um, And a way that I could express myself. So yeah, I, I mean, that's me in a nutshell, I guess. <laughs> I went to university afterwards and I have a degree in visual arts and photography, but I minored in theater. I always loved acting, but I never thought I would make a career out of it. Um, and then I kind of fell into it um, and it became my career. I, I booked the first job that I auditioned for. And after that, I just, I kept working. So suddenly acting became my life. Um, but then throughout that time, I also was writing a lot. And, um, you know, would, would make short films and direct. And um, eventually I, um, yeah, I, I, I'm now directed this film. <laughs> so it's all just, it's all come together. That's been such a beautiful journey. How do you feel like this is on Netflix? Like, 
everybody has seen it now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty wild. Um, I mean, every you always have dreams that people are going to watch your film, but I was pretty realistic with this one. Like, I didn't. I was going to make it whether we got a budget or if we didn't get a budget. You know, I was going to make it even if like the only place we got into was like a little film festival in the middle of nowhere, and. I was legitimately going to be happy with that because I just wanted to go through the process of making this film and telling this story. And I didn't put that much thought or attention into what could potentially happen afterwards. And so the fact that like, you know, a raid took it on, it's, it's been huge for this little film. A lot of wonderful Canadian films never really get to see the light of day, but this one did. And, um, I'm grateful for it. You know, it's really gotten on the audience and it really shows that there's so much need and desire to see our stories on screen. Um, so it's, it's, I think it's just, it's pushing me to just make more, more films. Oh yes. I, I totally agree. I feel like, you know, I feel in the Punjabi and just, uh, community you know you started off with those Gippy Garewag movies and it's like we're tired of seeing those you know mm. we need some real life shit and your movie really just hits it home you know with real life stuff that we deal with you know and these conversations that we're not having um and I love the characters and how walk me through that process picking out the actors and everything yeah I mean it was tricky because um I mean, the first and foremost, I, I needed great actors. Um, and there's a lot of really wonderful talent uh, in Canada. Um, for the role of Parm, I really wanted to get someone who was, you know, who, who was Sikh Punjabi, if you wore a bug, even better. Um, and I, I, I auditioned a few people who were lovely actors. But Stephen Lobo, you know, he is South Asian. His dad's from Goa. His mom's from Iran. And so he didn't, he did not connect to that side of things. Like he's not Sikh. He's not Punjabi. He doesn't wear a bug. He's not gay, you know. And so, um, but the thing is, is, he's a brilliant actor and he has so much humanity. And he understood Parm from a perspective of like who that character was as an outsider, in some ways and, and how he's trying to live up to expectations. And he really went above and beyond to try to learn about, about this, this character and he put all of himself into it and he did such an incredible job. So um, I, I had known Steven from years ago, we had worked together before and I've just been such a fan of his work. So it was kind of a no brainer for him that I wanted him in the film. Um, and then Sandy Sidhu, she is from the culture and has the same background as me. And uh, we've also known each other from a long time ago, but she auditioned and she was just so grounded and brought like, you know, she's, she plays the, the, the character so well. We all know people like Sandy, you know, and it's not that they're like mean or anything like that. They're just like, they have a very particular point of view. And so um, that's what, that's what she did is she, she brought a lot of um, humanity and she brought a lot of real life experiences to the role. And then um, Hussein Medevji was uh, somebody who I didn't know, uh, but he auditioned for the role and he was just so great and has so much heart and he's funny. And he was so amazing to have on, on the team because he's the guy who would like, you know, organize like, 
like the little like nobody could go anywhere because of covid so he would just be like hey guys let's just like hang out in my room and like he would have his guitar out and just like be singing and you know he was just like he made everyone so comfortable um and you always want somebody like that on set so it was just such an amazing cast they're all so talented and it felt like a real family by the end of it you know and um yeah, it was it was Belinda Johal playing Bwaji. She's she is Bwaji, you know, like everybody knows that character. And then Kim Coates, um, I mean, he has a really big name. And so to be able to have him on board was amazing. And he also is just like such a great actor and a great thespian. So it was just yeah, it was it all came together. And I think that's a huge part of filmmaking is is just making sure that you have the right people and the right cast. Because if you don't, if there's a loose thread then it, everything falls apart mm, that's so important I love that you've mentioned that you know I say this all the time I you know when you have a passion or something is burning in you and you want to create it you'll create it and whoever's aligning to that you can create magic if everybody's on board with that alignment exactly. you know and yeah. you just basically is that, that's the example you just given me you know every just thing fell into place it did. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely a lot of hard work and um, the writing process took a really long time. But once I had decided this is what I'm going to do, regardless of however many people mm -hmm. watch it um, or regardless of how much money I had to make it, I just knew I was going to make this film. And it's funny, that kind of energy, what that does, you know, and, and how it really just it, it, it really creates magic. Mm, that's so beautiful. Like going into that. So how is your relationship with Saki and going through this process as well? What was it like? It's, it's interesting. I mean, I grew up in a family. A lot of the men in my family were bugs. Um, we always grew up with one room devoted to the Guru Granth Sahib. Um, that being said, I always felt like Siki is a personal relationship. It's a relationship that you have um, and an and individual relationship. So I don't put a lot of um, like I don't put a lot of time and energy necessarily into like traditions and ceremony. Like I think if you close your eyes and you can do Ikumka, then really do it with a pure heart. That's good. You know, that's all you really need. Um, but so I, I have a very, I think I have a, a really, a lot of respect for the spiritual aspects of Sikhi, but I have a lot to say about the culture because I think there are things about the culture that um, are not healthy and not fair, you know, especially towards women. And so I think that's what this film is about is that, you know, like I, I hope when people see it, they like the way, you know, the, the, Akanpath is shown and they like, they can sense, you know, the revenants and the, the sort of respect that I as a filmmaker have. And, but I know that I, I push buttons by doing and saying things and having the characters do and say things that are uncomfortable. Um, but that's because I have things to say about the culture and, and, I think it's important to point those things out sometimes. Were you expecting some backlash from it? Um, yeah, I was. Um, I'm still a little, I'm curious actually what 
like I've heard so much good stuff about the film. Um, mm -hmm. I've heard a little bit of like the negative stuff. I think the the um, the picture the of Guru Nanak, um, just sort of the position of it right before the love scene, obviously is gonna, I knew that that would ruffle feathers and I've heard that, but I'm curious if there's been anything else you can, I, I'm, you can please enlighten me <laughs> because I'm, uh, yeah, what have you heard? Have, have you heard people being really uncomfortable? And, and I'm, I'm super like open about this. I'm, I doesn't, I don't really take it personally. Yeah, no, and I love that you are open about it. Cause I think when you create something, you know, you have this sort of expectation of both pros and cons, you know? Or, you know, um, feedback, whatever. Um, but no, honestly, like, exactly. There's triggers. And those triggers just, obviously, they point back to me, right? They're like, why is it triggering? <laughs> um, so, no, I don't, uh, I'm going to have to rewatch it again and give you yeah, my feedback. I mean, it, but what I find really interesting is, from my experience, the people who have been triggered the most, and I could be totally wrong, but uh, have been South Asian men. Um, mm. A lot of them have loved the film, but I've I've had like if if there's ever been like you know negative uh, things or or question marks, it's mostly been from them. And I get it, you know, like it's it really is sort of like shaking things up a little bit. Um, I find the Guru Nanak photo interesting because people are always like, ha, oh, you know, like you, you point to that and then all of a sudden she's in bed with a white man. But what about what happens before, which is like, she stole money. <laughs> Nobody cares about that part, but they <laughs> care about the fact that she's in bed with a white man. And I guess what I have to say about that is that, you know, we, we, in our homes, we have all of these, these relics, these photos, these paintings. Um, and yet what do we do in our homes? You know, we, we have high, a high rate of like domestic abuse. We have, we have issues with, uh, you know, our children and, and drug issues in our families. And this is all happening in our homes in front of these photographs that we actually have. So I think what I'm trying to say by showing the photo of the Guru, of Guru Nanak is that we, we do all sorts of things in our homes. I'm not showing anything that's, that's, different than what's happening in like you know your home or somebody else's home this is this is what people do and I think what's uh our culture especially the Sikh Punjabi community like we're we're we, we never show the bad stuff right we always want to show put on a good face and make sure that everybody thinks that we're all good and stuff like that but as a result I think that's why nobody really knows who we are that's why our culture is still such a huge mystery um, because we never really, we show one very small, um, sliver of who we actually are. And there is a huge breadth. There's, there's Sikh Punjabi men who were bugs, who are gay, who do have mental health issues, who are, um, you know, who are atheists and yet they were, they were bugs, you know, and nobody ever talks about that. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And these are all like stuff that needs to be talked about. And oh my God, I have so many questions now. Um, <laughs> uh, when you created those scenes and everything like that, what was, what was the take on the actors and how, walk me through that, I guess. Like you, there were so many 
now now I'm like walking through like the film and everything there there are a couple of different scenes you know where there's scene where the flashing the auntie you know and scenes that I see myself would have done too but I I see a little bit in each character I, I think I should say you know um but yeah um so sorry what's what's the question the question is when you're creating this right so when you each of the characters had their own, you know, personalities and everything. And I feel like you can relate to each one of them, right? Mm -hmm. What were the other triggers that you were trying to come across through? Um, <clears throat> I mean, I mean, Mona does a lot of crazy things. She steals money. She's, um, you know, she swears. She says terrible things to her father. Um, she does flash the aunties and, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot that she does, uh, in the film, but I think it's, I think none of it's super surprising. It's all, uh, it's all because of like, on one hand, it's because she's deflecting and she has her issues, but it's also because she's tired of the BS that I think sometimes we have to put up with within our culture, which is, you know, putting on a good face and making sure that everybody thinks that we're good people and, you know, that we have a good job and stuff. It's like, sometimes we're not, sometimes we have, like our lives are falling apart and you don't want to pretend anymore. And I think that's where she's at is she doesn't want to pretend. And you also, and I was reading an article, the story is based on, uh, personal, correct? Um, somewhat. I mean, it's not definitely not my story at all. Um, but I lived with uh, my dad and my mom when my dad went through chemo. And so, um, you know, that was that was a very difficult period. And he fortunately, you know, got stronger and, and came out the other end. But, uh, you know, it's it's a hard it's a hard um, situation and I saw how much my mom did for him and what it what it does what it is to be a caregiver so that became an anchor point in the plot for the film mm. and then you also talked about will which that's another topic that's not mentioned much in our community either yeah that's true that's a good point it's not something that people have really talked about actually in my interviews but yeah I mean who who gets the money and how do you divide money up amongst your children? And how often does it go to a son? Um, and how unfair is that? So it's, yeah, that is a huge part of our community. How many people get the money and, and is it usually the boy over the girl? I mean, I guess that's another part, but I mean, even having the discussion of a will, I think our communities are not even at that point right now to even mm -hmm. some do, but yes. And when it does come to that point, it's, it is usually given to the male heir, you know, and mm -hmm. it's time to have those conversations and be realistic about it. Right. You, when you guys are having that conversation, um, I remember in that scene, I remember looking at your face and you're like, Oh my God, like really like, this all happened behind my back kind of, you know, it just, um, and it, I, I'm pretty sure this happens like you, um, he said, you know, this happens 
pretty often in families is just not talked about much. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think there is a lot of shame in the South Asian culture. I think there's a lot of embarrassment and people just don't communicate. And, um, and so things come out in ways that are really unhealthy. You know, they come out through drinking and through violence and through, you know, drugs and all sorts of, all sorts of ways, because we're just not able to have those honest conversations with ourselves and with each other and with our parents and with our kids. Mm. Yeah, that's so true. And being honest, we're having, um, having one of the characters being gay, was that always your intention? Or what was, I guess, the intention behind the film? It was more about the death aspect in the sick community or, I mean, there's so many different aspects in this movie that I would touch base on, but um, touching base on that as well. Um, you know, I just wanted to show a family that felt real mm. that's all it was and uh, reality is messy and it's ugly and it's also really beautiful and it looks and takes shape in so many different ways it's a relationship between a father and a daughter that's misunderstood it's the relationship between siblings it is you know the sibling that you thought is perfect and he has a he has a secret not able to tell the truth about who he is in whatever way that looks like you know, it's it's a uh, it's a grown woman who just doesn't know how to go out into the world and make a life for herself. Like, there's so many of us who don't know how to do that, you know. And it's mm -hmm. nothing. Like, there's so much shame in our community about that. Like, about the fact that you're supposed to be a doctor and a lawyer, and you're supposed to have things figured out and have ma be married and have three kids by the time you're, you know, 35. And that's not that's not how so many people live. And as a result, they're, they're sort of, there is embarrassment, you know, about mm. that. So it's, it was just to show a real family. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that you said that to show a real family. Because it is, I remember that scene in the, where um, one of the characters was telling about his um, partner cheating. Um, which is another, you know, aspect that we don't talk about. And especially given those characters, you know, it's just um, men don't talk about it. And especially to our friends and family, you know, it's embarrassing. Well, yeah, um, I mean, I remember um, somebody I know was telling me about a, a, um, a relative of theirs and uh, a husband and a wife and they have like three kids and the wife, uh, wanted to leave the husband because she found out that he was cheating on her and her own family, her own mother was like, you can't, you can't leave. Like, think about how that's going to look. Think about that, you know, and it's clearly these two people have issues and maybe they don't want to be together anymore, you know, and, and it's not even, um, it's not even looking down on the person that's cheating. It's just the fact that our, our own culture doesn't even allow for room mm -hmm. to be happy. Like it's not about happiness for us. It's about like doing what looks right. Um, so all of these situations that these characters find themselves in 
are very real. Like they're actually, they come from real life. They come from stories that I've heard, things that I've seen, you know? Um, so it's not like I just made it up. This is, this is true. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely true. Well, going back, I would, I mean, how is your, how is your journey? I am, I know you were writing this and it's been a long process, but Explain to me how your family and support during that writing to any other creatives listening. I mean, I'm very lucky. I have an incredibly supportive family. Um, and I mean, I think it's because they knew when I was little, like I was a creative person. So it didn't come as a surprise to them when I got older and I pursued a creative path. I think their only request is just that I work hard. Mm -hmm. Um and not be lazy about it. You know, anything that you do, you just, just like do it with, with a lot of heart and a lot of hard work. Cause then I think you can achieve success. So yeah, I mean, that's always been how it's been. And my husband is also, he's, he's an actor and a filmmaker. And so he's always been really supportive of me in the process of, of me making my work. That's so beautiful. And then, so what would you do for self-care then? How do you take care of yourself? Mm. <laughs> um, I like to meditate. Um, and um, I love being out in nature, uh, whether it's like just going for hikes or going for walks or I think those two things are, are really big. I have kids as well. I have twin boys who are five years old. So my time is very limited, um, but just waking up before everyone else, just so I can have some time to myself and meditate and, you know, write is really important for me. I love that. I, I, I used to always write and I stopped writing. And after I had kids, I found my new love again. Of writing. Oh, that's great. That's kind of wonderful that they inspired you to write because a lot of women actually give up what they love after having children. So it's nice that it was the reverse for you and they inspired you to do that. I think that's so important for mothers. Like, that's the thing is people don't like being a mother is next level, like crazy, insane, and, and wonderful, but it, it just takes so much of yourself. Um, so it's so important to do, it's even more important to do what you love to do when you are a mother, because that love uh, for the, for sharing your voice, for doing what you love to do, for being, for immersing yourself in your work can only translate to good things when you have a relationship with your children, I think. Otherwise you become resentful. Oh my God, that's so true. It's, um, I, I jokingly tell my friends and family all the time, I, my daughter, Naseeb, she always tells like, oh mom, I'm on my client call. And I'm like, really? Like already? And, but they get to see not only the downs and ups and downs, but it's life, you know, and they're mm -hmm. part of your life. So they get to enjoy the ride too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How was it with the, you were filming with kids? Or were, were you able to take some time off and able to do the filming? Oh, yeah. And that's what I mean with the support of my family. Like my husband and I um, live a very unorthodox life in that we travel a lot for work. Um, and he's very much like a life partner. Like we switch off. We, you know, 
when I need time to do my thing, I can take it and he's with the kids and vice versa. And so um, when I was making this film, he knew how much it meant to me. And so there was never a question that I would have to, you know, fly off to Regina, Saskatchewan, which is in the middle of Canada to like film it and to scout locations and things like that. And he was with my kids and my mom was helping him too. So it was just like, it's a village. It's, it's a bunch of people that I have in my life who want to see me succeed. And um, I'm so like, I'm so grateful. I'm so lucky to have them. Oh, that's so beautiful. Do you, or how do you expect to your kids to watch your films? <laughs> um, well, they're not going to watch this for a long time. Um, <laughs> It's funny because they know about it and they've heard people talk about it and stuff like that, but they haven't, obviously they're not going to see it. Um, but they like, you know, there's things that I've done as an actor that they're not allowed to see. And then there's a few things now that they're getting a little bit older that are like more kid focused. So it's going to be interesting to be able to like show them those shows and, and same with my husband, you know, there's a time for everything. I I'm excited for the time when they're like, you know, when they're adults and they're interested I wonder, I wonder if they will be interested in, you know, watching films that I make as when they're adults. I, I wonder what that's going to be like for them. Mm, that's so interesting as a creative parents to mm -hmm. see where your kids go is always interesting. I feel like, cause they're, they're so creative, you know, they mm -hmm. were born in creativity. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, and this was such a beautiful conversation. Was there anything else you wanted to share with the listeners? Um, well, just watch Donkey Head on Netflix um, in the USA, in the UK, in Australia, and New Zealand. And if you like it, please uh, vote on IMDb for it. <laughs> and is there anything else coming up? Um, well, I have a recurring role on The Flash. And so I think there's another episode happening in March. Um, I have a really fun character. She's this badass. Uh, she's the Queen of Hearts. And, oh, sorry, Queen of Diamonds. She's part of the Royal Flush Gang, and we're we're a bunch of bad guys who like to steal expensive things. So that's really fun. Um, I also just finished um, shooting this film called Wife Like um, with Jonathan Reese Myers, and I'm just writing more. So just kind of focusing on that. Are you going to be writing more like Punjabi Sikh movies? I am. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, uh, I'm writing one right now called tiny birds with broken brains and it's a drama it's set in the eighties and nineties in rural, uh, in a rural town in North America. And, um, you know, I think there was a time when you would write like up in uh, like a, a, a family, a South Asian family, and that's all they were is they were South Asian. But I think, I think there's so much beauty and specificity because we all do things a little bit differently. Punjabis do things differently than Hindus. And they have a different point of view about, you know, what it is to go back to India, for instance. Or, you know, like there's a lot of differences in perspective. Um, and so I just know how to write from where I come from. And so it just makes more sense to write stories about Punjabis, about Sikh Punjabis. Mm, I love that. And did you grow up in Los Angeles as well? No, I was born in England and I grew up all over Canada and I ended up moving here probably about 10 years ago, but my husband and I still go back and forth between Canada and LA. Oh, wow. So you were really 
mixed in all with these different cultures. Like, mm-hmm. Canada's a whole different Indian Punjabi vibe. Totally. And that's where this, you know, this film is born there. Like it is, it is very much about that experience of what it is to be a Sikh Punjabi living in Canada, which is, it is quite different than, it's not quite different, but there's like certain subtleties about that experience that is different than here. Oh yeah. I I think about it all the time. I mean, even um, West coast and East coast, there's a, a big difference in the Punjabi community here. Um, in the UK too, but obviously we have similarities and I feel like we're all going through this awakening mm-hmm. and we're all experiencing somewhat the similar experiences. Um, but it's beautiful how we're all getting together. Well, mm-hmm. this was such a beautiful conversation, Agam. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Sharing Vision Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this podcast. It helps other lioness find the podcast. Stay connected with me on social media, on Instagram at ShareNeVision. And while you're there, sign up for the newsletter. When you sign up for the newsletter, you'll get notified of weekly episodes, affirmations, healthy lifestyle tips, vegan recipes, skincare product recommendations, and newly added Sharni Life's Monthly Book Club. I'll see you soon. Sashriya Kaal.